Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Verses 1 through 7, if you got it, go ahead and say, got it. All right, here now, the reading of God's word. For there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he, was made glorious. he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad with the divide when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of tramping of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born to us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The very word of God. Amen. Today, I want to preach on the topic of hold on and keep the faith. Hold on and keep the faith. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you uh, for this morning. We thank you for your word uh, that's sharper than a double-edged sword, pierces to the heart of the enemy, while at the same time molding and shaping ours. Lord, I do pray that you would hide me behind the cross. Decrease me, Lord, in this place so that you may increase. Father, we do need to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, have your way in this place. Holy Spirit, fill me with your spirit. Let the meditation of my heart and my mind be acceptable in your sight. For you are my Lord and my Redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name, all of us said together, amen, amen. You can be seated. Just yesterday, Brian, I was with my son DJ out in the parking lot at Target. And as we walked through the parking lot, he held my hand ever so tightly just held on to my hand, and the, the cars, they, they whizzed by, one by one, in the parking lot. Because of all the shopping that was going on, that's, that's what happens around this time, Jay. They just shop a lot, and the parking lots are full. And 
I started to notice that as DJ was holding my hand, he was, he was skipping through the parking lot and he was telling all kind of jokes. And, and y'all think G, DJ's a sweet kid, but he talks a lot of mess. <laughs> Daddy, I could beat you. I'm faster than you. Daddy, I'm the man. I'm like, all right, DJ, cool. And the, the, you got all of that. And I'm like, I wonder where he gets this mess from. <laughs> Robinson. And as he was doing all this, I, I started to think, because I'm looking at how free this man is, and I, I wondered, would he be like this if I wasn't with him? Would he be this free? If he simply wasn't holding on to my hand, would he still feel the freedom that he feels? The answer is simply no. He he would probably be frightened. He he would start to notice all of the cars around him and knowing that with one wrong move, because of his stature and the size of the car, he could be severely hurt. He, He would start to feel fear. He'd start to worry. But instead of worrying yesterday, none of that came into play. No worry, no anxiety, because he's with his father. And this made me think of all the worries and the anxieties that we feel when we, instead of trusting or holding on to our faith in Jesus, we try to take on the world by ourselves. You know what happens? Our world begins to feel like little DJ in the midst of cars. Afraid. Worried all the time. You know why? Because this world is too big and too hard for us to handle by ourselves. See, and and here's the hard reality about this. Unlike DJ, we don't have our heavenly father physically holding onto our hands through our trials day to day. And in order for us to make it in this life, it takes a certain level of faith, which begs the question of us this morning. Do we have the faith to hold on even though we can't see or touch the provision of God? Can you hold on in those trials instead of turning elsewhere? Family, I'm not sure where you are coming from this morning, what you came in with, what burdens, what worries may be on your hearts, what you may be feeling. Let me ask you, whatever it is that you might be facing, Are you willing to hold on in the midst of it? Are you willing to hold on and trust God? Hold on and keep the faith? And I do realize this, too, that many of us, we come in here from many different places. And some of us are coming in with the question, Pastor D, I don't even know where I stand with God right now. 
I, I don't even know if I really believe. I'm struggling. And I realize that. And maybe like me, not only do you need to be reminded, but you need to be told of a heavenly father that loves you. That holds your hand even when you don't feel it. Our text today comes on the heels of calamity in Israel. And the people of Israel, they have disobeyed God. They've built idols for themselves. And they've distanced themselves far away from God, not only by doing by their own doing or by his doing but by their own doing and we see this in Isaiah chapter 6 we talked about it a few weeks ago where Isaiah this prophet has this experience with God he has a vision and in his vision he sees his sin and he sees the sin of the people and I love his words if you were to look back there he says Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He sees not only his sin, but he sees the sin of all the people around him. And God says in his midst, well, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. He's just been cleaned, and Isaiah in this moment is ready. I asked you a few weeks ago if you were ready to be used by God. Isaiah here is ready. Isaiah shows us that when we come in contact with a holy God, the only proper response that we can have is woe is me. Woe is me. I'm unworthy because we see how magnificent God is and in his midst, how magnificent we're not. We see how holy God is, but we see how unholy we are. We see how big he is, but how little we are. Isaiah, here in this moment, is called by God to go for him and declare who he is to the people of Israel. And now, if you remember, what he has to go tell the people of Israel is a very hard message. It's one that, that, that says to the people of Israel, my, my once chosen people, Instead of just being chosen, listen, you're going to be cut down to the likes of a stump in the midst of a burnt down forest unless you turn and see your need for me. Seems like a harsh message, right? Savannah, I, would, I, I wouldn't want to tell anybody this. I, I, he, he has to go tell a group of people. I mean, picture this. Would, would you want to go tell somebody that was once promised something great in their future? In fact, God's promising you a future in a land of milk and honey, and you're going to have mansions and all these other things, and you're chosen. You're special. But instead of that, you ain't getting none of that. You remember all that stuff? That was, you're not getting any of it, any of it, and on top of that, you're going to die. I don't want to tell anybody that. It's kind of harsh, right? But in reality... It's a very gracious message because the people of Israel have basically taken advantage of God time and time again, over and over again, have used them only when they need him or they want something. They come to him. Their relationship with God has been purely transactional. I, I've been this way, God. I need you to do this for me. I, I need this from you right now, God. That, that, that's all. And it kind of sounds familiar if I step into your kitchen a little bit. I know that's tough, but we fall into the same mentality, the same way of thinking, or maybe you know somebody that does this 
with God. We only go to God when we need him. But everything else in the Christian spirit, it's just in the file cabinet of your life. You know, Christianity doesn't define you. It's not your identity. No, something else in your life defines you. That person, that thing, that job, this amount of money, your spouse, your dog, your cat. We in Chicago, we like dogs and stuff. Something else has taken the space of God in your life. We're expert at taking the the great things or the good things of God and making them God things. We take the the good things that he gives gives us and we make them ultimate instead of worshiping the one who gives these good gifts. We're experts at doing that. See, but let me me, me explain. I don't want to get off this message too much. Let me explain how Isaiah takes this hard message and And it's really actually one of grace. God has continued to provide for the people of Israel, whether it's manna falling from heaven when they're hungry, a king when they ask for it, or just simply winning a war when they go out to battle. God has continued to look after his people, and they continue to go back to their ways over and over again. God looks out, and they turn back the other way. God looks out, and they're here for a minute, and then they go back the other way. Over and over again, this same thing has happened. He's giving, although they keep turning their back on him. You ever been there before? What am I saying? Where, where you continue to do for somebody over and over and over again. You're trying to help them. You're trying to help them see their wrongdoings. You're trying to get them out of this hard place. And no matter what you say or do, they keep going back to the same thing. You're trying to help your friend get out of that relationship, but they just keep on going back to the same thing, knowing they shouldn't be there. You're trying to help them out of this hard place. They keep on going back to the same thing. You ever been there before? It's a tough place. It's kind of like this. Like, David, I'm trying to help somebody while they're drowning in the water, and instead of them grabbing onto my arms, what they do is they take out an axe and they just keep chopping my arms off. You can't save them. No matter what you do, they just keep going back to the same thing over and over and over again. You ever been there before? Here's God saying through the prophet Isaiah, I've been trying and trying to help you. And because you keep turning from me, this is what we're going to do. Isaiah, I need you to go tell the people until you all wake up and see your true need, you're cut off. Or in other words, you're free to go do whatever you want. That's the worst punishment. You you go out and do what you want to do without me. This is God saying, you go out and do whatever you want without me. Let's see how you do. We can just look around our world today and see how that that goes. See, and, and here's a word for somebody before I move on. Sometimes, family, hear me, sometimes... You just got to let people go. Y'all missed it. Sometimes you just got to let people go. When you've done all you can, when you've tried and tried and tried to help someone, at the end of the day, all you can do is let them go and begin to pray for them. We got, we got, we, we battle with this savior complex thing. 
We think we can save people and we can help them. We can get them to see the picture. And the reality is here, look, look, you can't save yourself. How are you going to save someone else? God's the only one that can save, not us. God says, Isaiah, go tell the people, I'm still here, but, I, 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 but, but, but hear me, until they recognize who I am and their need for me, they're cut off. Now, that's the context of the passage that we're walking into, which begs the question for us today. Pastor D, look at, look at the text. Who in the world is Isaiah talking to? Because when we look at this scripture, it's definitely one of hope. It's not one of despair. But if you look at chapter six through eight, as I alluded to him just now, it doesn't seem like the Israelites have a bright future ahead of them. Okay, let me see if I can clear this up a bit. What's happening in chapter eight, right before where we are in chapter nine, is that we begin to see the people that really honor God with their lives, that are loyal to God, and then we see them uh, juxtapose versus the ones that that for God, and you see the ones that are not for God. That's where what's leading up to our past today. And Isaiah is urging the true disciples of the Lord to wait upon him. He's saying, wait upon the Lord, because in the midst of darkness, there is a light coming, and the darkness will be dispelled forever by the light of the coming Messiah. Wait. Hold on. He's urging them to stand firm. Stand firm and continue to spread the message of the coming king. This is the message that says, although the time may look gloomy and things outside of you or even in your life may be messed up, there's one that's coming that will wipe away every tear from all of everyone's eyes and all the pain and all the sorrow will be gone forever and ever. He says to the remnant remaining, hold on. Hold on and go out and tell others about this same hope that you have, that you're holding on. It sounds much like where we are today, right? God's message to his people has never changed. It's always been love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love thy neighbor. Well, let me pause and ask you. As I'm saying, hold on, how many of you walked in here weary and tired like me this morning? And you need to hear the same words. Hold on. God's got you. Hold on. Hold on. He's got you. We see right here in verse 1, as we jump into the passage, Isaiah says, there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. And then he says, he has made glorious the way by the sea of, the, of Jordan and Galilee. Watch this. Guess who starts their ministry in Galilee and makes it glorious? Jesus. So Isaiah right here in verse 1 of our scripture is pointing Israel to a greater hope that they have that he can see prophetically in the future. Hold on. Meditated on as you look at verse 2. It says the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Verse 3, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. And then as you look at verses 4 through 6, Isaiah starts to just rattle off his, his overflowing joy that he's feeling by introducing the next few verses with the word for. Read it with me. He says, for the yoke. There's the word. 
for the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor. You have broken as on the day of Midian for every boot of tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Friends, do you see what Isaiah is saying here? He's telling the people, I know the times are hard right now. I know that it seems like God is not with you. I know that your kings and your government have let you down. I know that others have ruled over you. And I know that you're depressed and you're, you're down and out. But just hold on. He says their rod of persecution will be broken and their garments will be burned. Basically saying they will be no more. Then, friends, here it is. He says, a child will be born to us, a son, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And in verse 7, he says, his government, I love it, will not end. As opposed to the one that's persecuting you, his government will not end. It will not be corrupt. It will be peaceful, just and righteous, and last not one day, but forever. Now, I don't know about you all, but I can't wait to see a government like this one, especially in our society today. Isaiah is saying, hold on to the people of Israel. Hold on in the midst of sadness. Hold on in the midst of trouble. Hold on in the midst of corruption. Why? Jesus is coming. I can't think about I can't think of a, a better scripture to be honest, like that I wanted to read this week as I was meditating and I was studying. And I, I thought about all the recent events in our society, whether it's from elections and gang violence in our city, uh, the overconsumption, even with all the inflation, all the corruption in our local and our national government government, or even just the day-to-day struggles that we all face. This scripture, listen to me, is just as prevalent to us as it is the nation of Israel. While we have much to be thankful for, looking at our world, we still need to have faith and hold on. Hold on, renewal. Hold on. Jesus came, but he's coming again. I remember uh, going to, to Ghana on a mission trip in 2007. Uh, Kaylee was with me. Steve was with me. And uh, before the trip, I, everyone I knew was telling me, saying, Derek, just when you go over there, your eyes are going to be open, and you're going to see so much poverty, and you're going to see all these things happening. I just, just be in prayer for everything that you see in Africa. And in reality, America's way worse. And I, I remember getting there, and we're, we're sharing the gospel, and we're out everywhere in the villages, and I'm looking around, and I'm listening kind of ignorantly, just like, man, look at all the poverty, look at everything that's here. And I'm with my Ghanaian partner who was with me, and I just kind of looked at him. I said, man, I'm like, what? And he said, 
He said, Derek, thank you for your prayers. And then he said, but I'm praying for you. And I kind of cocked my head like, what? (laughs) And he said, look around. This is what I'm used to. This is what I have. This is all I have, which makes my faith stronger. You are the one with all the distractions and all the mess going on in your country. He said, I'm praying for you. And in that moment, it's like a light went off in my head. See, I I didn't realize the craziness and the hurt and pain that exists in America until I stepped out of America. I remember going on the campuses and we're, we're witnessing in the dorm rooms and we're sitting in the dorm room and, and it was packed. There was a lot of people in the room. We're doing a Bible study and they had MTV and they're flipping back from MTV to BET. And one person just stops in the middle of the room and he says, Derek, why do y'all kill each other? I said, what are you talking about? He said, whether it's white on white, black on black, brown on brown, why do y'all kill each other? And I had to stop before I answered the question. And I thought about it. And I remember when we got there, the the worst thing that we were were encountered with was somebody with a machete trying to steal purses. And there's gun violence and people murdered every day in America. But yet I wasn't realizing it until I stepped out of America. I'm going to be honest, family. We're living... In some really dark times. And I don't say that to be dark and gloomy this morning. But it's truth. And the same message Isaiah gives to the people of Israel of hold on. Is something we need better than anything we could ever imagine. Jesus is better than anything we could ever obtain. He's better than anything we could ever have. That this life, we need to be reminded, it is temporal. It's not forever. It's temporal. And one day, if we believe, we'll be with Jesus forever and ever, released from this world in heaven. I can't wait for that day. But until that time, we, those that know Jesus as Lord and Savior, have to hold on and continue, like Isaiah says, to love God and to love thy neighbor. We do this by simply sharing our lives, whether through word or deed, in and out of season, no matter what's going on in our life, because people need this hope. That's what God is telling Isaiah to say. Look at the words Isaiah uses. He calls Jesus Four names. I love it. He, he begins with wonderful counselor, which combines this idea. Everybody say wonderful counselor. I need to make sure y'all awake. It combines the idea of doing something wonderful or extraordinary, miraculous with the skill of giving advice or wise advice, making plans or counsel. And it's the understanding that Jesus is not only going to do miraculous things with his hands or with his works, but if you think about a counselor, it, it is someone who guides and someone who plans and, and helps others. This means that Jesus is the most extraordinary, wise counselor who has the wisest of plans and advice just ready and willing to give it out. Friends, let me ask you, who better to run to than Jesus? says he's the wonderful counselor. Isaiah moves on and he calls him mighty God. Say mighty God. God. Calls him mighty God, which means God will be my strength. 
when all my strength fails, when you can't do it anymore, when you've given it all you can, or better yet, instead of trying to do it all in your own strength, what if you just stopped and went to him and said, I can't do it, but I know you can, Jesus. I heard my uncle say this in Saturday. He told me, he said once to me, he said, D, people that are in the medical world, they think that they're God's greatest gift to mankind. They, they literally think they are God in some kind of way. And he said, as great as I think I am, I'm thankful that I have a God on my side that's bigger and better than I am. He said, I've made mistakes. My hands could give out at any moment. And I'm glad that someone's life is not solely in my hands. Friends, listen, believers have a mighty God on their side. A God that when we fail or we fall, fail to measure up to this standard of, of good or great in society. Listen, he never fails and he always measures up. Somebody say he's mighty. He's mighty. Y'all, we're going to go to church. Y'all going to make me preach this morning. <laughs> Believers have a mighty God on their side. Uh, y'all still missing it. Third name he uses is everlasting father, which can also be read as my father is eternal or father of eternity. You get the image of a father where if you look at it biblically, the father is supposed to be the protector. Listen to me, dads. He is the provider. He's the advice giver. He's the caretaker. And then you couple that definition when you look at it biblically right here with a father being everlasting, a word that cannot be used to describe any human here on this earth because it only can be used for God, meaning that he's outside of time. God existed before time. He is the alpha and the omega. He has no beginning and no end. This is who he's talking about. When we look at Jesus in this light, we should be elated or overjoyed beyond words because this tells us that Jesus is a father that will provide, protect, and care for us not only today, but forever. He is the everlasting father. Which means, and someone needs to hear this, that will earthly fathers or people fail you, Jesus never will. He never will leave or forsake you. He is an everlasting father. The last name here used is Prince of Peace. Friends, a prince is the heir to a king. He's a ruler. He has people who, who bow down before him. He can do, frankly, whatever he wants to do as long as his as it's in line with what the king wants to do. But listen, there's never been a prince without fault. There's never been a perfect prince. There's never been a, a prince where his sole purpose hasn't been for his own gain or just ruling. Prince of Peace tells us that Jesus won't just rule, but he will rule and bring about peace. Meaning there will be no more division. There will be no more hurt, no more sadness, no more tears or corruption. There will be perfect harmony between humans as well as between humans and God. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And verse 7, like I said before, caps it all off and tells us that this rule, this kingdom, 
Jesus's coming will be established in justice and peace and will last forever. Friends, what a day to be looking forward to. As we begin to look toward Christmas, this hope of the coming king was missed by many of the Israelites. One, because they either died before Jesus came to earth, or as I said earlier, they were looking for this promise of a better life and life eternity, life eternal in other things outside of him. They, they, they were looking for this promise before they were themselves right with God. Hear me. This message of hope and Prince of Peace does not become real until we recognize our need for him. When Jesus died on the cross, when he hung there with nails in his hands and in his feet, he did not die to bring peace on earth. He died to bring peace between us and God. That's a peace here, your heart, your mind. That's a peace here as you walk through the streets and the mess that happens in your life. But it's not a peace physically. And so we look to the coming day that he comes again where we're released from this world and all its problems. But the question we have to answer before that, right now, because once we believe that's when the understanding of what he's done becomes real to us. So the question you have to answer this morning is, do I truly know Jesus? Have I come face to face with the magnificent God like Isaiah and said, woe is me for I am unclean. I don't have what it takes, God, but you do. I'm thankful, Jesus, for what you've done on the cross for me. I don't have it, but you do. Do you truly believe in Jesus? Do you truly know him? The message of hope here that I'm talking about is open for all who believe. And I know someone's already thinking this. You're probably saying, well, Pastor D, I hear you, but I don't feel it. I don't feel hope. I don't see it. Listen, although the pains of this world and its troubles are waiting. Believers have a hope in Jesus' second coming that keeps us going. Revelations 21, 1 through 4 says it this way. Look at it with me. Meditate on these words. It says, earth had passed away and the sea, that sea of death, it was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned. For her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's the day. To look forward to. But as we think about this truth and believe in Jesus, the words we need to remember this morning, because that day is not here, is the same words Isaiah is given to the Israelites. Hold on. 
Hold on, family. Hold on and keep the faith. Isaiah is telling the readers in the text, hold on just a little bit longer. Hold on, renewal. When you flip on the news and you see nothing but mad news, you see nothing but hurt and turmoil, hold on, renewal. When you feel like your word has, world has figuratively turned upside down and nothing good is happening in your life, hold on, renewal. When you feel like everyone has turned their back on you and you feel lonely as ever, like no one is there for you, hold on, renewal, hold on, keep the faith, don't give up. Hold on, because Jesus is coming back for you. It's a sobering and freeing understanding to know that believers have a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace on their side in Jesus. I want to challenge you to remember him during this Christmas season. And hold on. Hold on. In other words, keep the faith. Now, I realize that maybe you walked in here, as I said earlier, and you're struggling in your faith, or you've just never believed, period. And the holiday season is just, it's a trial for you. It's a struggle. It's a hard time. It's a struggle. As I get ready to pray, won't you trust Jesus with your life this morning? Jesus, I'm here. I need you. I'm done doing it my own way. Trust in what your life for you can truly have life. And here's the good news. Once you trust him, you can now hold on. Because Isaiah, as Isaiah said, and I'm telling you today, in Revelations 21, Jesus is coming back for you too. So hold on, family, and keep the faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word this morning. Thank you for you. Thank you for your goodness, God. Lord, I, I pray that, that you would work in our hearts in only a way that you can. I do realize there are folks here that may be struggling in their belief, may have never even placed their faith in you. Holy Spirit, would you work in the hearts of your people here because they are in the right place, that they'd realize that this life can't be lived in their own merit or on their own strength, but that we need you and there's freedom in knowing Jesus. One that's believing. Lord, I pray that there is even people in here that said, Jesus, I'm here. I'm done living my life. I, I want you. Be my Lord. Be my Lord, I thank you for dying for me. For my sins. I give you all of me. And in turn, they'd be like Isaiah and say, here I am, use me, Lord. Lord, let us hold on to truth. Let us hold on to you. Because we know one day we'll be with you as you come back for us.
Until then, let us share the hope of glory and the good news with those around us. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we all said together, amen, amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.